You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the intellectual outcasts out there. I have a couple of returning guests, which is no surprise. I like to bring on guests, as I say, a little smarter than me in the various areas in this morning. For this morning's discussion question, before I let the cat out the bag, let me introduce both of our, again, esteemed returning guests. We're going to start with the Queen, uh, Marilyn Adwini. How you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with us. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, glad to have you on, if you will, Queen. Go ahead and give them a little bit of your background before we give them the discussion question. If you are a first-time listener, we do do our show in the form of a question. Uh, but again, before we let the cat out the bag, go ahead and tell them who you are. Um, I'm Marilyn Aldoini. I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I'm also a motherhood and family coach. Um, I work with, primarily with black mothers and their families, um, supporting them just in making the most out of their journey and creating a um, functional family life, a happy one, too. No, absolutely. You are definitely the perfect person for today's show. Uh, returning guest, long-time listener, Sean Hyman. How you doing, King? King from Scary, from it's Scary to Remarry podcast, if you will. Say hello to my intellectual outcast, which you are, again, you are one of those. But if you will, let them know who you are. And thank you for being with us this morning, King. Yes, thanks again, Montoya. I appreciate it uh, for the opportunity. I'm Sean Hyman. I'm the founder of It's Scary to Remarry, where we want you to love fearlessly. Where I help you heal after heartbreak and find again. I'm a husband, father, blogger, YouTuber, content creator, all that good stuff. So I'm excited about today's show. 
No, absolutely. You're actually the catalyst for today's show, if you will, uh, to a degree. It was a, a particular cut that we'll be playing a little later that, that, that had you come in on it. And I was like, hey, let's turn this into the show and come to find out you've already dealt with this to a degree on it. Scary to uh, remarry, but we'll obviously tell them how to tune in to the amazing stuff you're doing uh, with that show uh, as well. But without further ado, we'll go ahead and let, let the cast it back on this morning's discussion question. Do wives see sex as a chore? Do wives see sex as a chore? Uh, I think it's a long-standing idea that's been around for a long time, but again, it popped up because of something on social media, and I saw you ask your people that question. I said, sure, man, let's jump on the show and do this together, and so glad to have you on, but we're going to start with the queen. Marilyn, you've done this before, if you will. When I reached out to you and said, hey, join us for the show. What was your first initial thought when you heard the discussion question worded that particular way? I thought this was going to be good. <laughs> you know, this is a really important discussion um, to have. So I was excited about, about being a part of it. Nah, that's cool. That's cool. I'm I'm curious as for us, like I said, a lot of the, some of the work you do with black mothers in particular, I'm curious if it doesn't mm-hmm. even come up. You know, I don't know how far you go uh, with some of the stuff, but I'm definitely curious about that. Um, Sean, again, you actually asked your people that question. I was like, well, I'm going to steal that question and use it for my show. Again, not knowing at the time that you had already dealt with it. Uh, but, but when you put the question up yourself, uh, what were you thinking, if you will, just the initial thought? Uh, obviously, again, we're going to play the cut from Dana Chanel, if you will, that, that, that led you to even repost it, if you will. But what was your initial thought, uh, even in posting it on your page? That's a, kind of a slightly different take because, you, again, you, you, you was promoting it on your page, if you will. Yeah, I said it's a topic that needs to be discussed. Let's, let's pull the cat out the bag, you know, because um, I know a lot of times, you know, single people like to talk about how much sex they have and stuff. So I'm like, well, why can't us married folks brag about how much sex we're getting? If if we should be getting it, <laughs> you know, so I said, we let's talk about it. Nah, I love it. I love it. I like how you say that too. Brag about it, right? Brag about it. Cause, yeah. cause I'll tell you, I'll just, just go into this just slightly before we even get to the first break. Um, definitely, definitely when I was a young man, it was, you know, definitely was a bragging, right? A bragging about, you know, the, the, you know, not only how good I was, but sometimes to the degree, I guess sometimes, how much? I wasn't necessarily the type to tell everybody who I was dealing with, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, every song out there is a lot of single people bragging, right? Uh, you know, you maybe think of you know, Steve Harvey who say, "Hey, hip hop don't talk about love anymore." So typically, when you hear the song on the radio, it, it's definitely, usually, definitely, clearly some single people doing their thing because we the lost the love songs where. You know what I mean? I, you, you, my wife. I want to love you for life. We, done, you know, we done lost that kind of stuff out there. You know, in, 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 in the music scene, anyway. But so, yeah, that's funny that you say brag about it. But I'll tell you, in my lifetime, when I was younger, in my twenties, I would hear married couples talk about how much they didn't have sex, and, and so, uh, and and when I run into couples who brag about having a lot of sex, they were at least, like you say, talking about it at least. They were the anomaly. So I didn't hear a lot of couples bragging, and when I did, I loved it. 
but I would hear more people talk about how little sex they was having. So so it's funny to hear you say you, you want to brag. So we've got a couple of minutes before break. If you want to just kind of jump in on that, we'll get to uh, Marilyn's thoughts on that, that as well. Like I say, in my lifetime, I think I've heard less bragging amongst married people than, than more. And, again, I loved it when I when I did hear it. So any thoughts on that, King? Yeah, I just think it's something that we need to discuss out in public because I'm obviously we assume that when you marry that you you having sex or you have kids. We assume that. But a lot of times it's something that you don't know it really goes on behind closed doors, you know. The national average says you only most married couples only having sex one day a week. But uh we'll talk about that in detail as the show goes on. No, nah, absolutely. Uh Marilyn, if you will, any quick thoughts? In reference to you know again when I as the as the long time never been married you know you and Sarah both are married uh, if you will um, I think both have remarried if you will so I don't know if you know we'll get into maybe if, if it was the same and you know both marriages if you will but if you will quick any thoughts just about how I've heard it out here as a single man most of my life not hearing a lot of good things but loving it the few times I I should say few times but when I hear about a couple having a lot of sex or enjoying sex, that's always somewhat of an anomaly, unfortunately, for me as a single person. Any thoughts on that, Queen? Uh, I'm, I agree. I see that quite a bit. I think it's um, it's a sign of a lot of disconnect and other things that kind of ail us along the way. But um, definitely, I think that it's an important piece in our marriages that we need to be um, taken really good care of. No, nah, I love it. So, yeah, with that said, we're going to go to break. We'll get the phone lines open up and let people give us their three cents. If you are a first-time listener, uh, that's what we like to, you know, with the Intellectual Outcast, we, we have the smartest audience in all of radio. So when y'all call in, uh, we, we want to hear your three cents on this morning's discussion as well. This morning's discussion question, do wives see sex as a chore? We'll be right back. When we come back, we'll get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. All I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you missed the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince Sign of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. My man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side, they still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. I'm in. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? 
Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address? In case I get a chance to swing by there, I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendrick Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. I think that sex is a duty in marriage, and people were like, did not agree at all. No, I think it's a duty as a wife. That's what you're supposed to do. My mom told me, I asked her, her and uh, my dad have been married like 30 years almost, I'm guessing. And I asked her, and she was like, I just say yes. (laughs) That's why I have so many siblings. (laughs) But But the thing is, as a man, generally, you don't want to know a woman's not enjoying it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I you get don't want to know that yeah. I'm not enjoying it. I get what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with it entirely. I do to a certain extent. I just wouldn't. I don't think I'd be turned on by a woman who's having sex with me because she feels it's her duty. Yeah. I want. I want that desire to be reciprocated. Yeah. And if it's not reciprocated, I'd rather not participate. Yeah. Personally. How how often? Yeah. Do you think? Couples should have sex. Depends how old they it, are. <laughs> I think it depends on your relationship. Yeah, it depends on your relationship and the age you are. I think minimum. minimum. Yeah, at least once a week. Yeah, yeah. You well, gotta get at least. Once I th- a week. I think that um, that's one of the reasons people cheat sometimes is because the wife is like holding out. Mm. Have you heard that? Mm. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Like that when you yeah. said guys are either monogamous or not monogamous, I was thinking earlier that. I think sometimes, like, men cheat because of, like, the position they're sort of put in. Like, the girl, like, won't sleep with them, hasn't slept with them in months. What do you think is going to happen? Would, I would say if a woman's not sleeping with you, who's she sleeping with? Because <laughs> <laughs> women like sex, too. Yeah. Like, people act like only guys like sex. Yeah. That's very true. So if she's not sleeping with you, who's she sleeping with? You might have to ask yourself that question. <laughs> <laughs> you might be getting it from elsewhere, bro. <laughs> very, true, very true. Welcome back to... The Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest, Marilyn Arduini, as well as Sean Hyman. This morning's discussion question, do wives see sex as a chore? Marilyn, we're going to start with you as you hear that cut. Any thoughts provoked? I think it's a nice segue into this morning's discussion. Uh, to the caller out there, we'll get to you in a little bit. We'll hear from our guests before we open up the phone lines. Go ahead, Queen. Um, well, I definitely will say, but I'll say first of all that I think we definitely give that word chore a very negative connotation. Um, it carries the connotation of being like a burden, you know, um, and I think, you know, that may be part of how, what the definition has become, but in reality, um, a chore really equals a responsibility, you know, and in marriage between the husband and the wife, sex is a responsibility. It's something that we should be doing. It's something that keeps our marriage um, alive. It keeps our identity and our connection um, alive. So, and responsibilities can be great if you make them great. So while I think that, yes, a lot of women, a lot of wives look at sex as a chore um, from that um, negative viewpoint, it actually should be something that we all see as a responsibility and take it for what it is and make the most of it so that we can have healthy, happy marriages. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I mean, the cut, the lady said sex is a duty. duty. 
and um, mm-hmm. just kind of in being reminded of that. I feel like I'm to a degree not necessarily grew up with the word duty, but I feel like conceptually that was out there historically. I don't think we hear it as much today, but yeah, absolutely. Put it, switching it from mm-hmm. chore to responsibility definitely sounds like the segue we could we could use. Uh, uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So absolutely. Uh, Sean, your thoughts mm-hmm. to the cut that you just heard or anything that Marilyn just had to say? Yes, I, I totally agree with Marilyn. I think it's about the verbiage that we use um, as far as the responsibility. Like when you marry, this is something that you sign up for. Um, I just think that the only issue with it is I, there was a time, and I guess I'm dating myself, you know, people got married so they could have sex you know, that whole kind of thing. But now it's kind of like open season for everybody. So sex is just kind of uh, almost kind mm-hmm. of like a pastime for, for, for most people, something like we should just do. So when we get married, now we got kids and bills and all these responsibilities. It's like um, now we got to try to find time to, to have sex, you know, opposed to when you were single, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just made a call. Nah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I definitely got some thought. Yeah, about like you said, it's a different era. But let's go to the caller before I, before I give my thoughts on that as well. We got area code four zero four last three four one nine. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Thanks for calling in. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, can you guys hear me? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? We can hear you. Where you? What's your name? Where you calling? All from? right, all right. Yeah, this is Frank. This is Frank. I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, what's up, Kenny? What you got for us this morning? Frank. Yes. Uh, Very great topic. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, studying about this, and uh, as an African, I was born in Ghana, and um, I've been talking a a lot about this particular topic. Um, You know, culturally, our girls in Africa are raised to think that sex is a bad thing, you know, in the beginning, just to prevent promiscuous lifestyle. So um, I've heard young girls say that even some of the women scare their girls to tell them it's a sin to have sex. So trying to control that appetite from a young group at the beginning, when they grow up and and marry, uh, that freedom, that, you know, freedom to be able to relax, to have sex, is still a thing in the African community. Where mm. most African men, I would say most African men that are married to African women are still having affair outside with other cultures that expresses their sexuality more. So it's a problem. Mm. Right. Well after mm. becoming an adult, I'm in my forties and now as sex is such an important thing to me, when I meet somebody that I'm interested in, I bring this topic up. I've actually dated somebody for nine months without having sex because I wanted to know where her head is when it comes to sex. Sex is very important to me. The whole, one of the, uh, the videos that you posted, a young lady said that, uh, oh, I have to come and make sure that I, I meet my husband's needs. No. Sex in our relationship is not my need. If it's not your need also, I don't want to have sex with you. So at this point, I've been very selective about who I have sex with because Making this whole system that you're doing me a favor is a no-no. Mm. And I realized that I have actually not had sex with a lot of women that I'm interested in because of how they look at it. You mm. know, so this is a very important topic. 
And to me, like I said, different cultures have different ways of looking at it and how they are raising their girls. But if I can speak from the African community, the African girl thinks sex is a thing. And even when they get married, they can really, like, relax and really do it with their husbands. They still feel like it's something that they are doing for the husband and not for them. But at this point, if you don't want to have sex, if you don't feel like it, I don't want to have sex with you. So it's, it's a problem. I don't know if I have the solution, but I'm just trying to identify something in my community that, yes, sex is a burden. Sex is like, you know, um, something that you're doing it for the husband and not for themselves. Uh, I'll see some more of my comments for later. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get you back in. So come come off the one, and then you can come back on the one if you want to jump back in. So we're going to let you go. Sure, Just hit sure, the sure, one, sure, And then you sure. can come back in. Um, Frank brings an interesting topic. You know, we, we specialize in doing hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And what Frank brings is something that we've talked about. Just even in general, there's even a concept, especially in the past, I think, um, Frank is highlighting how much is said in the African culture even to this day, but there's definitely, I would say, older women in American culture that have went through that very same thought process because of what they were told about sex, that it plays a huge role in how they see sex in their marriage. So that's come up on the on the show before. Uh, but Marilyn, again, um, as our queen, let you kind of jump in and give us your thoughts. You know, you're a cognitive behavior therapist to highlight that for anybody tuning in. So I'm pretty sure you have some deep perspectives about even that mindset, no matter where you're from, not just even in the African culture, if you're still being told sex is a bad thing, sometimes you can't process that. And so maybe the sex in the marriage, to allude to something that Frank said, is bad to the point where, you know, as he mentioned in his culture, maybe there are a lot of affairs outside. But that's something that I heard even in American culture, but maybe more in the past than now. But your thoughts, Queen? Um, I think he makes an excellent point. Um, also, me being you know, Nigerian myself and raised within, you know, that same culture and that mindset, um, it's, it's true in a lot of ways. There are, uh, and even today, there are plenty of young women um, being raised um, either with, with a negative mentality towards sex um, about it not really being for them as much as it is for their husbands. And, uh, and, and as Frank mentioned, um, a, a lot of places, you know, within the African community. Um, it's, it's not, you know, a, a blanket statement, of course, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of places within the African community where it is um, taught as being, you know, something that is bad to do. And even if it's hard to turn off that mindset, it's hard to turn off, you know, um, that feeling once you get into the marriage, um, that it's something bad, it's something dirty, you know. It's hard to, to avoid it for all of those reasons. Um, all of your life, and then finally get married and now believe that it's something that you should be doing. So I do see that to an extent. And there are also women who have levels of trauma around sex before marriage. And so once they're married, you know, all of the things that they did to protect themselves before they were married, they are still have those those guards up. And it's hard for them to really let it down. And that's a lot of work that has to be done because not only is there that mindset that exists within our community, also a lot of trauma exists within our community, sadly. You know, a huge number of women, particularly in our community, are victims of some kind of, you know, sexual assault or um, uh, just various um, types of sexual abuse and sexual assault early in life. A huge number. It's really, um, I, I, 
forget the specifics. I can get that to you later, but I can't pull it up. But a, a huge number of women in our community are sexually abused, sexually assaulted um, early in life, and they take a lot of that trauma into their relationships. A lot of times the promiscuity that you even see prior to marriage are responses to that trauma of sexual um, abuse and assault. So it's hard to kind of turn that off once you are married and be able to feel like you're now in a safe and loving space to be able to express yourself um, sexually um, 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 in a healthy way with your husband. So I definitely agree with that point and, you know, definitely have some things to share in terms of um, being able to heal and move forward um, within the marriage relationship sexually. No, it makes sense, and I re- I can remember we did a show some years ago where that same thing came up. I think we were just talking about sex from the from the woman's perspective, and then we did a show sex from the man's perspective. And I remember on the ladies' show, actually, my old co-host Christy she hosted it, and I remember that that what you just brought up was said on that show, and I had never thought about it. this. Was probably about four years ago now, and maybe five. But either way. I never thought about it until I heard the ladies talking about it, and I was like, wow, how my, how many boyfriends, unfortunately, because we are in an era where boyfriend and girlfriends absolutely do their thing, right, in America or whatever, but I was like, how many boyfriends and husbands are dealing with some form of trauma with their with their wife that becomes mm-hmm. a wife abused as such a young person, she's never really talked mm-hmm. about it or never shared it. So that's not the thing that she's openly sharing, even with her boyfriend or even her husband. And those things mm-hmm. are playing a role in, in what she will or won't do that frustrates him in the bedroom. And even she's not consciously aware of why she no longer wants to do a certain thing that he's asking. So definitely was the, it was like mind blowing as a man that's, you know, never been abused or whatever. It never crossed my mind until I heard the ladies on the show on this show years ago talking about it. It was so mind blowing. I was actually, my, my you want to say something else before I let Sean jump in. Uh, Marilyn, did you want to respond to something before I let Sean in? Yeah. Um, I'm just I, I, um, agreeing with you. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sean. I just, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm listening because what you said about trauma is so important. I'm so glad you're speaking on it. So go ahead. I'm listening to you. Uh, well, um, I mean, my thoughts on that are just, on my, and not just my thoughts, my experience is that what you said is absolutely true. There are, um, I mentioned earlier that even the promiscuity that, you know, we mm-hmm. see um, that is, is a big part of the response to the trauma. So once a woman has, there's a lot of things that women have been exposed to. Sometimes they'll do in relationships that cause them a lot of harm emotionally, you know, through sex. And then once they get into their marriage, because of the the, the connotation, because of the trauma that's around um, um, that certain types of sexual activities and things that a husband may want and desire in marriage, they now see it as something dirty. They now see it as something that they can't do with um, their husband, you know. And, again, like you mentioned, they may not consciously even be aware of it, of that that's their block and being able to be free um, within their marriage. But it's, it's, it's a big, big deal. And the fact that so many of our women experience this, and early life, um, it can also be a huge explanation for why we have the challenges that we do. And some of what I want to share later on about, you know, overcoming some of these has a lot to do with how our husbands can help with 
counteracting mm. and, that, and that process of healing. No, I love that. Let me say this real quick, Shad. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, but even I even when just listen to you talk about that, Marilyn, the, the flip. Here's the flip mm-hmm. side. The flip side. I'm very mm-hmm. aware of this, uh, where even men just by how they're socialized about sex. I don't think we see this as much now because again we're in a sense of openly sexual society clearly at this point. But I can remember as a younger man and even having a couple of friends who who are married now hearing this kind of stuff. You know, just this thought process with them. But even men being socialized or what a wife does versus, in a sense, the people they've been dealing with does. And I've even seen men that part of the reason that they even are stepping out is because there's certain things they won't even do with their wives. They only reserve mm-hmm. for people that they step out of. And, and they just, uh, and, I, and I've seen men do it like with my girlfriend, I don't do this, but I step out so mm-hmm. I can get this, this one quirk. That I won't even, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I want to. And there's a term for that. Yeah, go ahead, Queen. Because there's a the whore Madonna complex, and that basically mm. is that where men are able to, um, the women that they, you know, let's say value enough to marry and have that regard and respect for, they can't do certain things with, and they feel like they need to reserve certain behaviors, sexual behaviors only for the women who they consider as, you know, well, the term is hormadonna complex. So the women who they are just sleeping around with or who they see as being, um, um, who they feel like they can degrade to a certain level. It's not mm-hmm. always that extreme, but the women who they feel like they can just go out there and do anything with is who they reserve that kind of behavior for. Even though they enjoy it, they don't feel like they can do it with their wives. And so sometimes you'll see men who, are, are in a relationship with a woman that they love and respect, but they'll still step out because they feel like they just they they desire that activity, but they can't do it with their wives. Yeah, like I'm not, I can't, I can imagine doing that with the mother of my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I only left you about exactly. a about a, about a minute, Sean, and we'll go to a, um, a break, and we're gonna play that cut from Dana Chanel that kicked off this whole thing. But um, if you can give me a quick thought, and then we're gonna go to break. Yeah, I I totally agree with Marilyn about the uh, Madonna horror complex. Um, but I think some of that comes from us not knowing our value as men too. I think a lot of times we've been, uh, we have the whole mindset of, you know, women being better than men kind of thing. Like, you know, my better half, you know, stuff like that. But as men, we have value too. So I think a lot of times we put, and him, when I say this, we put our women so high on the pedestal that, we can't see them as almost being human to a degree. So it's like, of course, I'm not going to do this to my wife because she's very you true. Know, she's, so a lot mm. of times with men, we almost automatically know, you know, people tell us about how bad we are and how promiscuous we are and all these other things. So we don't, I don't think we look at each other on a level field. That's why a lot of times if a woman say, I slept around with a lot of men, we look at them as, Oh my God! Like really? But she's human, just like we are. So I don't think we put each other on a even playing field. So I think that's why we had a Madonna horror complex because we don't look at our wives as almost being human like we are. Oh wow! Well, great thoughts, great thoughts for the callers out there. If you want to get in, you do have to press one. If you're online listening, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, six four six. Seven eight seven one six nine one. You will have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask 
that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreage Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at EmoreageDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreage Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. And I mean, never use sex as a weapon against your husband. And have sex often is probably some of the most extraordinary advice I never got. As a working mom, we get tired, exhausted, overwhelmed. But it is dangerous to neglect our husband's needs. And I'll explain to you why. Sex is such a huge part of a man's identity. It's the way he emotionally bonds with us. And it's crazy because God wired his body this way. When a man experiences an orgasm, his body releases the bonding hormone, oxytocin, in such extraordinary amounts. I mean, women experience it as well, but men do 400% times more. And so that skin-to-skin contact mixed with an orgasm creates deep connection. And I never just want to be a great mom. I never just want to be killing it in the workplace. But I desired for my husband to find me to be a good lover. Look forward to coming home to me. And through difficult conversations, because I was never taught this kind of stuff, I had to learn how to not look at sex as a chore or another responsibility on my to-do list, but enjoy my husband feeling respected and honored and wanted. Imagine if one day our husband came home and said, I don't feel like having sex with you. We would be massively offended and hurt. And so men need sex. It's how they came from the factory. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest, Marilyn Arduini, as well as Sean Heinemann. As we hear a cut from Dana Chanel, social media influencer, which is the cut that, in a sense, led to us doing this show. And Sean posted it on his social media. I would like to point out in that cut, just to clarify some of the science, if you will, there's not a whole lot of studies on this. Uh, she's absolutely incorrect about the oxytocin men releasing more. Um, the latest study about maybe 2019, uh, it, that women release more, if you will, during sex. That's the only time that you release oxytocin or whatever, but it's known as the, the love hormone or the bonding, horm- love, the bonding hormone. And so she has that scientifically incorrect just to highlight that. Don't want to harp on it, but we like to provide clarity because you know, I used to call y'all truth seekers out there, so I can't just give y'all some information that's incorrect. But Sean, since you decided to post that cut and ask very this morning's very question, do wives see sex as a chore? Uh, I would l- love to hear your thoughts uh, from Dana. You know, what, what you think about what Dana Chanel, social media influencer, had to say. Go ahead, Kim. Thank you so much for being with us. 
you know, for sure. I think a lot of it, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with her and her husband, so they come from a very biblical background. So I think that sometimes that's where people miss it. Um, so they're, they're speaking in, in biblical terms about the whole thing with sex and, you know, submitting yourself one to another and all those other things. So sex for, sex as a chore, from what I hear from, from women and, and being married, a lot of times wives say they don't mind they don't mind busting it open. They don't mind doing this. It's just a matter of you helping them at home. It's like, can you help me with the kids? Can you help me with the bills? Can you help me with chores? A lot of times, I think when men bring home their checks, they thinking that that's it. All I have to do is bring home my mm-hmm. check. You do the rest. But both of us work, so we both have to pull the weight. So if I'm working and she's working, not only am I going to bring her my check, but I have to help with the kids. I have to wash dishes. I have to fold clothes. And even outsourcing some of your services. If you don't have time to cut the grass, pay somebody. If you don't have time to cook, uh, pay somebody. You know, those kind of things. People like to brag about them making the six figures and all this other stuff. But it's like, well, take some of that money and invest it in your household so she can have some time to have sex with you because she's tired. Last thing she's thinking about is sex is after she didn't deal with the kids and homework and work and all. She got to be superwoman. She ain't thinking about sex at the end of the night. Now, I love those thoughts, Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anybody that may just be tuning in, um, if you will, highlight your background and what you do with mothers just before you even go into these comments, your comments, because I want people that just maybe just tuned in to understand what your thoughts are coming from, not only your personal experience, but you actually deal deal with this from a professional experience as well. So just kind of highlight that before you kind of give us your thoughts on that on that cut. Absolutely. Um, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. Uh, my work is focused. Um, I'm a motherhood and family coach. I work um, primarily with black women, and I support them in having a balanced and functional um, family life, which includes their marriages. No, absolutely. What are your thoughts when you hear that cut from a Dana Chanel? I agree with her um, a, a, a huge amount. I think that um, uh, along the lines of what I was saying earlier is that we can't look at it from a negative connotation of it just being a chore and some kind of burden or something that um, you just have to do. But um, listening to Sean, he is also you know, very much correct that in order for women to be able to have the space to be in the mood to have, you know, sex on a regular basis, um, there's got to be some balance. You know, a lot of times women are just exhausted. You know, there is a lot of um, inability for our husbands sometimes to read the room. You know, and that's something that I say a lot is that when you walk in the door and she's got, you know, babies hanging off of her and, you know, she's got housework piling up, there's homework and there's so many other things. And, you know, God forbid she's also, you know, holding down a full-time job the same as you. You bringing in your paycheck is just not enough, you know, Um, especially for like a breastfeeding mom. It's possible a lot of mothers are just touched out. They, they don't want anybody else to touch them that day because they've had kids and babies and everybody else is touching them and wanting their attention all day long, you know. And it's really important not only to be a supportive part of the household, whatever that means for your household, 
you know, be, uh, and having that understanding too, I think is a big part of the disconnect is I've spoken before with you and on the show about even before marriage, you know, having a clear understanding and agreement about what these things mean for us, you know, and what the support actually looks like and being able to um, um, revisit that regularly to make sure that we're on the same page, you know. So being able to be a true support system for her, for each other within the household. But then I think a lot of times um, one of the biggest deals that I hear about is just that sometimes the only time that, you know, a husband is, you know, wanting to hug and kiss and do all these other things is when it's time to have sex, you know, and they're wanting to to get some. And non-sexual touch is so important. Um, Don't make it that the only time you're trying to, because that can be so downright irritating, you know, when already, you know, she's kind of just full and, you know, overstimulated for the day. Um, But, you know, there there has to be times when a husband's touch is one that's just for comfort, that's just for intimacy, that has nothing to do with sex. That has to be, you know, 99.9% of the day before, you know, he makes the move to try to have sex. And sometimes, you know, he doesn't always have to make the move. If she's well-supported and feeling, you know, really um, loved outside of um, sex, because I can tell you, women, with or without trauma that we discussed earlier, can really feel like sexual objects, you know, in society and within the marriage. So, you know, feeling kind of objectified in that way does not make you want to, especially, you know, I'll go back to it, but even without the trauma, but especially if somebody has some kind of trauma mm-hmm. um, around sex, you know, feeling objectified within your marriage, Ooh. that should be a space where you don't feel objectified, you know, where, you know, especially black right. people, you walk around in society and that's all that's, you know, that's all that is, is, is relevant about you, you know, but within your marriage, you should want to feel valued beyond just the sex, you know? And so wow. being able to have that intimacy with your husband and be touched and be loved and hugged and kissed, and it's not just as a ploy to lead sex, that's what it feels like, you know, for a woman a lot. It's like, okay, he wants something and now all of a sudden he want to touch me. Now all of a sudden he wants to kiss, you know? you've got to make, you know, really, really change that whole entire paradigm, you know. And, um, again, like I said, reading the room, you know, you come in and you see that there's a need there. You see that she's overwhelmed and everything else, and she's had a long day. And then at the end of the night, you want to ask for sex. And that's the last thing on her mind, and she actually, you know, could really just be a trigger for her, you know, you even looking for that at that point. And so that's just some of the experiences and thoughts that I have around that no, that's a lot you said there, and I never thought about the idea of being objectified even within your marriage. For the callers out there, if you're a first-time caller, I hope you're listening, you have to press 1 if you want to get in on this morning's discussion. I see y'all out there. If you're just listening via the phone, no problem. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. Um, a lot. Wow. That's a, that's a lot, to, you know, to think about. And so real quick to get back into the science very briefly before we go to our next break, there's this concept that I think sometimes we don't like to talk about enough in society. Or I don't know if it's not, we don't like to talk about it. I don't know if it's, it's clarified enough, even from a scientific standpoint, right? And it's this concept that men and women are 
not the same to a degree when it comes to sex. I agree with Sean, and, and it's undeniable that women love sex, like even one of the cuts said, just as much as men. So that's not, that's in a sense a non-issue. But there is, in a sense, different scientific effects when it comes to this oxytocin. As I clarified, Dana had the information, in a sense, backwards. But I've heard that information used in a way that sometimes seems detrimental to women. And I just want to share another perspective on the latest, some of the latest information. At the end of the day, science is really still studying oxytocin, if you will, the love hormone. From what I could tell in my research, maybe kind of discovered maybe around 2013, and so they're still doing studies. There haven't been a lot of comprehensive studies, but the, the, the larger ones, here's, here's just some information that I thought I would share because uh, there is this concept that men and women are different about sex. I personally think that's factual to a degree, but a lot of it we're socialized to think. So just to, again, even kind of points to what Marilyn talked about, about the, the, touch, the touching other than just for wanting sex. And so um, here's some comments specifically about oxytocin. Um, see, the, see the doctor's name. I can't see the name right now. But it says, when you first become intimate, you're releasing a lot of dopamine and oxytocin. That's creating a leap between the neutral, the neural systems that are processing your facial cues, your voice, and the reward system of a partner. Partner's brain said Larry Young, a professor of psychiatry at Emory University in Atlanta. Uh, he studies the role of oxytocin in social bonding. So that's the guy that say, that's saying all of this stuff. He says, as time goes on, cu- couples become less intimate. Young noted that linkage can decrease that linkage can decay, but activities that release oxytocin, such as really looking into one another's per- into another person's eyes, holding hands, kissing, and having sex may restore the connection. To me, it suggests that there may be a way to help prevent the decay that can occur that leads couples to separate, he said. Herleman agreed, which is another doctor, says, I think this is the only reason that we do hug and touch each other all the time. I think this is the mechanism that keeps oxytocin levels high in relationships. So for anything of all you may have heard about oxytocin and women release it, and that's why they bond to men, because that's how I've, in a sense, learned it. The reality is there's all of these times in which men and women, humans, release oxytocin, and the bonding can play a huge role um, in the relationship. See how much time we got before break. Actually, we're running up on break right now, so we're going to run right into a break again for the callers. I see y'all jumping in. You do have to press one. I hope you're hearing me clearly on that. Press one if you want to get into this discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Online, 646-787-1691 is how you get in on this morning's discussion. We'll be right back. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I'd like to acknowledge LNG, one of our longtime sponsors. They are now a black-level member. Again, for the callers out there, I see y'all out there. A lot of new callers missed this. You do have to press one if you're trying to give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. Uh, Marilyn and Sean, Sean, I don't know if you got a chance to see the email I sent you. I forgot to text you this morning. Uh, but I want to share a piece from my upcoming book, Reeducation of the Negro, where I write these commentaries that, in, that, in a sense, create dialogue. So we're going to use both of you kind of as a sample test to what my book is for. Again, it's just commentary to invoke and create dialogue. And so I'm going to share this piece, again, from my upcoming book, Reeducation of the Negro. And this piece is called Black Socrates Speaks, Sex, Infidelity, and Marriage. And if you haven't, either of you have, haven't had a chance to look at it, it definitely fits into this morning's discussion. So if y'all listen closely, definitely want to hear your thoughts. And Marilyn, we'll start with you coming up when I finish this. All right. This was written back in November 2015. Sex secret for married women from a single man. Mothers, teach your daughters that if you get, if they get their husband off every day, he's less likely to get off elsewhere. And that's real. I know this will make plenty of queens upset, but notice no men will read this and disagree. The key to this secret is the everyday part. So please, no stories about how your previous husband would sleep with you and his mistress on the same day. Yes, that happens, but again, the special sauce to this secret is entertaining the marriage and never creating the habit of skipping sex. Some men do not want it every day, lucky you, but when he does, make it happen. Before marriage, my best friend's father told her, baby, if you're not going to give him none, you might as well become a nun. All the men in agreement, please stay I. Ladies, the eyes have it. Plenty of women will argue their husbands are okay with sex once or twice a week, or they should be or they should be happy with that. The truth is, he hated going from the daily sex you had before marriage, but had to accept less after you became a mother of, became the mother of his children. Truth be told, when you first started refusing him, you could have just laid there and he would have been okay with that. I know it sounds crazy and you still feel like it shouldn't be this way. However, I'm sharing this not because of how it should be, but because I'm simply stating how it is. This may appear as if I'm placing the onus of infidelity on our queens. However, I'm not justifying a man or woman stepping out. Although this little gem, like it or not, will help a sister out, and especially your daughters if you teach them this. I am simply speaking to the reality of testosterone-filled men and the wives who smartly make sure their husbands are not leaving the house sexually frustrated with high testosterone levels. The husband receiving daily sex doesn't have to compete with his own nature when his sexy co-worker makes her daily advances. If he cheats despite having regular sex with you, he just wanted to and there's nothing you could have done. On the other hand, the good brother who accepts his once-a-week sex, if that, is sent out daily testosterone levels through the roof and expected to resist the sister who goes hard because she sees his faithfulness as a challenge. Queens, believe it or not, that good brother doesn't want to ruin, for example, 10 years of marriage, the equivalent of 3,650 days for one day of new pussy. Advice to men, even if you are married and, can op- and can't openly agree with this post in front of your wife, Please note that you can help your queen oblige you daily by being on point with completing your honey to-do list. You can't really expect your queen to work, maintain the house, and the kids with only a little help from you, plus provide frequent sex. Lastly, this is a two-way street, so if you're not satisfying your wife, 
she may become sexually frustrated, increasing her chances of infidelity. The most significant difference is that women are typically not driven by their nature to seek out sex. Her hormones, estrogen, usually do not control her in the same way our hormones, testosterone, control us men. This is why weak men assault women, but that's an entirely different story. Just my three cents. All I ask is that you think. Quick sidebar. I know plenty of queens are wondering what makes me think I'm qualified to write this post as a 48-year-old single brother who's never been married with no children. As a single brother who loves daily sex in a committed relationship, I spent several years afraid of marriage because so many brothers complained about limited or sexless marriages. I'm not trying to spark a marriage is not all about sex debate. I'm just sharing what I'm hearing from my married friends, some of which have cheated, most have not. As a matter of fact, a few have happily remarried, and they're quite often add they enjoy sex more the second time around. I guess the second time they made sure they found a woman who doesn't let them leave home without it. So, Marilyn, I'll ask you the first discussion question again. This is from an insert from an upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro. And the first question is, what statement did you appreciate most and why out of that piece? Um, definitely, I think emphasizing the importance of daily sex as much as possible. Um, I know a lot of people, um, women in particular, hate to hear this. This is something that I talk to um, the mothers that I work with a lot is um, as often as possible. It's not always possible. You know, life gets in the way. You have children and so many other things. I've, you know, been there and experienced that quite often. But the intention of being being willing and open to being able to, to to have sex with your husband daily or as often as necessary is really really important. I think it makes a huge difference in the the level of connection and just the overall happiness within your marriage. You know, sex is important for all of us, but you know, men are very much wired um, to be able to get to that point of connection through sex, um, it, it, it enhances it, I should say. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, um, definitely men can help their wives be able to be more receptive to it through, you know, how they engage her um, in terms of intimacy not always being a sexual thing. So it's a give and take, uh, just like you mentioned with, you know, completing the honey-do list and being a support to her around the home. Um, but even beside that, you know, just because you finish the, the, the physical aspects or the tasks, you know, um, are one thing, but the emotional and mental side of it um, when it comes to intimacy is yet another thing that, you know, needs to be added there in order to make it more complete. I think it's really important that we're both kind of identifying the differences. You said it's, it's really important. I think maybe you did say it in that piece, is that, um, you know, we're, we're very different in the way that we're wired and how we, um, and how we and, you know, view and engage in intimacy, you know. So us being able to understand how that works for our partner and being able to give, it, give to them what they need in order to be, um, one, uh, to be receptive to intimacy is really important. So that, so I hope that kind of, you know. No, that's, you know, yeah, whatever you got. Now, the question. Yep, Sean, same question for you. Which statement did you appreciate the most and why? 
Yeah, I like the part where you said about, uh, and I never heard this about if you're not going to give them none, you might as well be a nun. I thought that was catchy. Um, <laughs> I might have to share it on the social media page. Um, yeah. It's true. It, it, it's very true, but I think, uh, and, and as I'm listening, I listen to what Marilyn was saying about having your head on the swivel as a man uh, and paying attention about what's going on around the house. I think that is very important. Uh, instead of us having that tunnel vision, when we come home, we just want to sit in front of the TV as men, pay attention to your surroundings. Because I do believe, and the old pastor told me, he said, you got to prime the pump. You know, you got a, a good sex mm-hmm. starts in the morning. You know, it starts throughout the course of a day, sending her a text message or, and not just doing it just for sex, but just because you genuinely love her. And as I listen to the conversation, I realized that a lot of women and men, we have so much uh, trauma that's in the body that we don't even address. And then we wonder why we can't have sex on a regular, you know, we don't discuss. I think this is why therapy is important to unlock those traumas that we had. Oh, I was molested as a child or I was raped when I was 16. And a lot of times your spouse don't know these things. Mm-hmm. And you can be in the bedroom and you wonder why you can't do certain things or stuff like that because that brings up that trauma in her life. But he has no idea. And then she might not even trust him to be a safe place to tell her how she what happened to her in her past. Because he might not mm-hmm. be really strong enough to handle that. So she feel like she's locked up where she can't say anything to anyone. And then they wonder why they can't have sex in the bedroom. But I think that's why therapy is important. And also, sex is how many days a week you want to have sex is it's subjective. It just depends on what both of you agree to. And I think that's important is having a, uh, an agreement and we're going to have sex twice a week. You know, and, and stick to that. So that way we're both satisfied. We know what's going to go down. This is what we agreed on. And then both parties can be happy. Nah, good point. And let me highlight this, speaking of the trauma, because we definitely, obviously, the way the question's worded, we're definitely, in a sense, coming from the woman's perspective. But and but to just highlight this, you know, with that trauma, hey, the reality, that trauma can, you know, it's happened to men as well. And obviously, just the way we're reared, we're going to be least to speak about it, but it could play a role and they'd be flip-flopped where, you know, again, he's not sharing his issue. And, again, it's not, it's not even something they were conscious of, right? That's the issue with trauma. Trauma, really, um, your brain works to block it out so that you can function. And so revisiting, you know, whatever the issue may be, even sexually to a degree, um, can be, you know, whether it be um, erectile dysfunction, again, just flipping the script real quick, uh, even that can be related to a trauma, especially for a younger if it's a younger man and he just got married, that type of thing, it's some some aspects of that could be related to a trauma that they're not dealing with because the trauma could have happened at such a young age. And so just, you know, keep it in perspective that, uh, you know, I love that point, Sean, the idea of therapy and how it can add. Um, Marilyn, did you want to jump in? I heard you kind of play something. Yeah, I think um, just to expand a little bit on what you're saying about how the trauma affects um, men, because i a lot of the hypersexuality that you might see in men where it mm-hmm. seems like that's the only way that they know how to express anything is through sex. It can be uh, um, from trauma as well. You know, a lot of times young men who are um, sexually abused or um, assaulted at a young age, um, it, it, 
it can definitely trigger them into being, you know, super, you know, sexual and hyper-focused mm-hmm. on sex. And that can affect, you know, our relationship deeply when, like I mentioned before, he's basically treating his wife like a sexual object because that's the only way that he knows how to relate to, you know, a woman or another human being. Yeah, and that could be the culture. It doesn't even have to be trauma. Like I think about, you know, as a young man, um, even again, obviously we're talking about wives and husbands to a degree, but just to put it in perspective, in today's hypersexual society. So mm-hmm. here's a, a way I can look back on it now as, as a 48-year-old man, but I can remember, in a sense, my first girlfriend in high school, I was adamant. Um, she was a virgin as I was before, in a sense, before she had become my girl, if you will. And um, I remember being adamant as a high schooler with her saying, hey, because um, I have been kind of raised with that, I don't want no girlfriend type thing in, in the hip-hop era. Like, you know, hoes, what, and this, mm-hmm. that kind of BS or whatever. But clearly you'll find the right woman, you'll put her on a pedestal and not see her like everyone else. But I definitely still mm-hmm. make clear to her, you're not going to be my girlfriend. I don't have sex. Because I'm a single man. I can, you know, my thought was, as a you know, as a young man, as a single man, I can I'm gonna go without sex from time to time because I don't have a girl. But once I got a girl, that made no sense to me, and she agreed with it, and we had sex daily. I now you know, as a 48 year old man, and not until my 40s, I now subscribe to you are single until you're married. But back then, in the boyfriend girlfriend, we considered we were together once we were boyfriend and girlfriend, and that's pretty much how I rock all the way to my early 30s, if you were my girl, we had sex every day. And if not, mm-hmm. several times a, a, a day, which we can get into this after the break. We're at the top of the hour. But another thing that happens with growing up in an era like that is, and I'm sure you mentioned this earlier, it's just the idea of you're having this sex while you're single, while you're quote-unquote boyfriend and girlfriend. And once you get married and get these other duties, it gets in the way. And single people really sometimes – have it confused about how much sex is even available in a work, even a good working marriage to a degree, if you will. But we are up against the break, so we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Again, for the callers, if you're a new caller, you do have to press one. I see somebody pressing one. We'll get them in coming out of the break. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Cause I look like money. Man. True 
seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Richard, do you think perhaps you work too much? Oh, no, no, no. I, I work too. I do, but I come home from work, and I have to take care of the kids, and I have to take care of you. And frankly, I'm tired. I'm tired. Too tired to wear a nice pair of panties? What's wrong with my panties? They're huge. You know, the biggest thing on a pair of panties should be the tag. That's all I want to see. Tag and ass. Tag and ass. You see? You see? This is what I'm talking about. You see how insensitive he is? You know, Brenda, maybe I'd be more sensitive if you'd have sex with me. It seems like the only time she wants to have sex with me is to make a baby. The only time you want to make a baby with me is to have sex. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because I'm tired. Now we're making progress. I hated that therapist. She wasn't married and didn't have any kids. You know, when you're on a plane, you kind of want a pilot with more experience than you. Or maybe that's just me. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest, Marilyn Arduini, as well as Sean Hyman from the Scary to You Married podcast. This morning's discussion question, do wives see sex as a chore? As we hear a cool, cool little cut from Chris Rocks, I think I love my wife. Some of you may recall that movie. Uh, we got a caller that wants to get in on this discussion, so I'm going to go ahead and jump to the caller real quick. Area code 678-3306. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Great morning. My name is Tennyson, and I'm calling from Atlanta. Now, uh, to answer that <laughs> that question, I enjoy, by the way, I enjoy the discussion. Very, very uh, informative. I just believe that married couples aren't having sex. Uh, in a lot of cases, they are too exhausted, lack family boundaries, and are uncreative. You know, <laughs> my married friends live through the lives of, of, of their single friends, and the COVID pandemic opened up that to me. I mean, you know, you, during the time of lockdown, I'm talking to my married friends, and they ask me what I'm doing, who I'm with, and I'm like, wait a minute here. I don't have anyone over here. It's a pandemic. You got your wife. You got your husband. What the hell is going on? So I think that's one of the big problems right there. And to be quite frank with you, I think it's uh, important to for you know for not just married couples but especially married couples to explore likes and dislikes. A lot of people don't spend the time to masturbate and touch themselves and know what you know feel what what feels good. And quite frankly, also, I think we should be willing to explore kinks and tantra and BDSM and all the likes of it, because you may be surprised. These things may open up a whole new world for you. And a lot of men, I will say, if you allow the woman 
to be herself, to be able to speak her truth without being judged. You'll be shocked to know the things that women like. And I think a lot of times you won't have to have to deal with the Madonna whore complex. You have everything right there, and that will open up a new world for you. And also, I think one of the things we haven't touched on since we have been discussing this topic is religion. Religion creates a lot of guilt in people, especially, I think, in women. And a lot of time it creates that sex is dirty and people deal with a lot of guilt and shame. And those things are going to prevent you from enjoying each other. No, I love it. A lot of great thoughts. Let me throw this in real quick, Marilyn. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm going to keep Tennyson on for a second here. Um, but just to highlight this, for those who know, I'm a real big, I love researching and stats and stuff. So speaking of the pandemic, this is just kind of highlight what Tennyson just talked about. So speaking of the pandemic, here was a huge business miss in, in, the, in, in the condom industry, believe it or not. So because the pandemic, once it became real, the condom industry, they thought, man, let's ramp up productions of condoms or whatever. Like, well, for whatever reason, that was their mindset as an industry. They ended up losing their ass on all these extra condoms because they didn't re- – they was like, people are going to be having sex, but they didn't really put in perspective, one, how a lot of us single people, me being one, was locked in and didn't have access to as much sex as we liked. And then married couples don't need condoms anyway. And then, unfortunately, we did the show about what was happening during the pandemic. A, a, a lot of things didn't go well when people had to be at home every day, which highlights some of what tennis is talking about as well. So I just thought that was just a little added three cents that I wanted to add to what that brother had to say. But, Marilyn, uh, Tennyson brought a lot to the table. Your thoughts to what he had to say? I think he definitely had um... – some great points. I think we don't um, give a lot of space to be able to express ourselves um, sexually and really explore who we are, and that can cause a lot of you know friction in the marriage when we don't really you know feel comfortable being able to share um, that side of us within our marriage. I think a lot of times there are a lot of people who, a lot of married people who. Um, you know, kind of live vicariously through their single friends, um, even though there's, you know, that's, that's hugely problematic in and of itself. But mm-hmm. once they kind of, like, talking about the pandemic, once they kind of find themselves locked down and they're, you know, kind of forced to share space day in, day out with their partner, they don't have a lot to stand on because they've mm-hmm. spent, you know, so much time not really understanding how to connect with each other or understanding who their partner is or their partner's needs. So, um, you know, not only was that a huge miss for the condom industry, it was a huge miss for a lot of married couples in terms of the opportunity to be able to um, to, to seek that new way of connecting. Um, it would have been a great opportunity for a lot of couples to enter into therapy, even if it was online, and do a lot of counseling and kind of, you know, heal whatever rift may have been ongoing. And there's some that did. You know, I work with several people who kind of, who the pandemic brought that into great relief where they really mm-hmm. saw that, wow, we, we don't know each other. We don't know anything. We're not even really having a good time together. How do we use this time to be able to really reconnect, you know? And it made it more 
it, it brought a lot of things more so to the surface where there were some couples, once they were locked down, they had all the kids in the house all day long, you know. Um, some of the um, husbands, unfortunately, were still operating in, you know, pre-pandemic mode where you just kind of let everything fall on the wife and she was handling all the school and she was still doing everything in the house. And so it's just 24-7, not no kind of real relief. And so that exacerbated a lot of, you know, um, issues that were pre-existing in relationships, you know. So the pandemic brought a lot of things up for couples, you know, above and beyond sex. But, of course, everything going on that isn't, you know, sex itself impacts sex anyway. So when when life is, you know, um, when life is not matching up in terms of our relationship, then it definitely affects the sex. And then it's like a, it's, it's very cyclical. Yeah, that's crazy when I think about what you're saying now. Like you in the house all day together, and, and like you said, if if, if one with one spouse is operating pre-pandemic, you looking at that person like, man, I ain't trying to do nothing with you. I'm so resenting you right now. The last thing I want to do is mm-hmm. so I can see that. Um, Sean, you know we've mentioned dialogue, so we like to do things from both sides of it, if you will, King. Uh, here's the thought I would love you to address about what Tennyson said, and so to a degree, um, the flip side of the day's culture is in a sense, the idea of having so much sexual experience prior to marriage, whether male or female, to the degree that um, the thing, you know, whereas I love what Tennyson said, maybe you explore all these other aspects of sex that maybe you haven't explored, you know, especially, quote, unquote, married if you're spending the rest of your life together, where the flip side of it is having a bunch of experiences prior to marriage, and now you can't be excited in the marriage with just, in a sense, maybe one per person, lack of variety, or your significant other won't do some of these things because you've had too much experience, if that makes sense. I even heard Dr. Umar Johnson, of all people, mention that some years ago where he was saying that while he, at the time, when I heard him say this, advocates, in a sense, uh, not necessarily having a bunch of sex prior to marriage, but he says, but if you have, then his idea was you better test, test it out. Prior, you know, go before getting into a marriage because with with a bunch of experience you can even be more disappointed once you're married if you've had a lot of experience prior to marriage. Um, your thoughts on that, Keegan? I'll get one last thought for Tennyson before I let him go. Yes, I, I totally agree. I do believe, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I do believe the more, and this is different for all cases, but I do believe the the more experiences you have, the lesser excitement it has going into marriage because you, you've done everything. I do believe mm-hmm. that marriage is an intimate piece. So this should be a safe place for you and I to explore because we're in the confines of marriage. There's, you know, as I say, there's no infidelity, there's no cheating, there's trust, all these things that we have. So we should be able to be a, a freak towards each other. But the issue is we have so many experiences that, by the time we get married, it's like, uh, I'm I'm cool on that. You know, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You probably might be sexed out. You're like, I'm tired of, <laughs> you know. And now you sitting in your marriage like, well, this is shoot, half of the reason I got married. So I think if mm-hmm. we learn to kind of flip it on its head where, um, you know, because I know with the sexual liberation and everybody like doing what they want to do and it's an unpopular opinion, but – I think if we do, if we are a little more reserved, then especially if we do desire to marry, it's like I'm going to save this for my wife or my husband because 
And even in my own personal experience, I always tell my wife, I tell her, I'm like, you're my dream woman because I haven't racked up a lot of bodies for me personally growing up. So to me, I'm like, man, my wife is a superstar because I I don't have a a, a high body count. So to me, this is new. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, but to each his own. Everybody had their own little top no, level and stuff. No, I love the last thought. Um, um, Tennis, we were up against the break, so I'll bring you on after the break, brother. Um, but I love that last thought. I remember, again, we do all type of shows. I remember doing, uh, done, like, for example, several polyamorous shows or whatever. And I remember one of the sisters who advocates for polyamory in general. I won't, hopefully most people understand poly, so I won't, there's a lot of different definitions within there. But I just remember her just really advocating all this exploration, obviously dealing for her, it was dealing with more people, whatever. But I highlighted what you just said, Sean, was the idea of um, the, some of the, the old days where you would have a married couple with both necessarily, you wouldn't have a lot of bodies or some, you know, possibly even under religion advocated, they both be versions, if you will. But in the sense of that, that, you don't know what you don't know, and those couples have been able to quite – I've heard of these stories, too – have been able to enjoy great sex, even if they wasn't doing a lot of what we've explored in a lot of positions, because that's all they know. So, so that's a perspective that I definitely love that you added to this conversation. We'll be right back and listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, Smithoff, where you find that Prince Sign of the Times on vinyl at? Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection. What, you been collecting them, like, over the years or something? No, actually, I just started my collection. But my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side? They still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. Oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at dbssounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on dbssounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address in case I get a chance to swing by there? I'm, I'm going to pick up that new Kendrick Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85, Riverdale, Georgia. Bet. Hey, how was um, work today? Anything happen? Nothing much. Just work. I'm not crazy. Would you tell your wife about Nikki? But I got to admit, seeing Nikki got me to think, what would it be like to be single again? I mean, if I were single, I wouldn't do all that romance and flowers crap. If I was single again, I would get right to the point. Excuse me, would you like to have sex with me? Of course I would. Well, come on! When you're single, you're never at a loss for words. Excuse me, can I bite your ass? For a thousand dollars. No, come on, let's get biting, bitch! When you're single, you have nothing to lose. Come with me to a hotel right now. Have an appointment. Yeah, a pussy appointment. When you're single, you're invincible. Excuse me? Get the fuck out of here. When you're single, you're alone. I'll fuck you. And that's why I got married. (laughs) (laughs) Another funny cut from I Think I Love My Wife with Chris Rock. (laughs) The last part was a brother walking up to him and said, I got you. He's like, hey, I got you. Let me get out this this single game. So, So as much as 
uh, if you will, Sean, you know, say, hey, at the beginning of the show, you talk about the single friends bragging about all the sex they have and married couples or not or whatever, but there's a lot of people that end up in that position. The single thing ain't, ain't as fun. I can attest to that to a degree. Uh, but I got uh, Tennyson hanging on, so I'm going to give Tennyson any thoughts you want to give. Thank you, Kate, for giving us your three cents this morning that you want to add to anything you heard. Again, that's just a funny cut from I Think I Love My Wife. Uh, but thank you for calling in this morning. Go ahead, King. Uh, let me bring you live real quick for your last thought here, brother. Go ahead. Um, you're live, Tennyson. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's a funny movie. I want to I want to say this. I, I do not think there's hope for everyone, and I do not think that I do not buy into that idea that you can have too much sex or you can be too sexed out with too many bodies. I look at sex as eating. If you yeah, if you eat one type of food, yeah, you may get tired of eating certain food all the time. But there's an array of different food all over. I mean, you talk about Asian, African. You know, the, the list goes on and on. And within those cultures, there are different segments of food. And so sex is the same way. Yeah, if you're just going to do a missionary position or just explore one type of sex or just uh, deal with insertion of a penis into a vagina, yes, that's going to happen. But it's more than that. It's so much more that you can do and you can explore. And so we don't need to be... We, they, we, we, you may get two people get together and they both experience sexually. But when they start exploring other avenues, they'll be surprised. And not only that, this will be the first time that these, these, these two people having sex together. So there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to explore. Forget about what happened in the past. And I think that's one thing that men have to get past dealing with too. They're so hung upon. I, I could care less if I meet a woman and she has had a hundred or a thousand partners. What I care about right now is me and her you by getting with that together. One. You by yourself with that one, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> I, hey, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, hey, Kenton by himself. Her past is her past. I'm just trying to say. Hey, that is true. But I ain't messing with that one, brother. <laughs> Hey, you know, there's some people who are just sexually you buy active and, and enjoy sex. But, but, but real quick, I want to make one correction. And I don't think my brother meant to say what he said. Um, I just remember when the brother said about African women. I would, I would have rather him to say women in Ghana because, you know, Africa is a continent. You know, we're talking about 54 countries. So I don't want somebody to leave this yeah, conversation right. thinking all African women are like this, or all African men are like this. Well, let me throw this out. You know, I always message you on this. Um, humans speak in generalizations, so I know the brother didn't mean all. You know what I mean? I always like to highlight that because I think it just things get lost when people jump to to, to extremes. But I definitely respect, and I definitely care. Uh, more importantly, more importantly, I love that. You know, again, you knowing that brother that we do speak of the continent via countries. And that's just something that we all should learn just on a, just a higher dialogue level. We shouldn't speak to the continent, you know, as, as, as if it's a country, because it is the only continent in which we do that. And that was given to us by someone. And so it is always smart. And that's why I love more so that you highlight it to speak to a country versus the continent. So I, I like that even more. But um, thank you for your three cents this morning, Tennyson. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. For the callers out there, if you want to join like Frank and Tennyson did, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 
to let us know you want to speak. I want to highlight, I got a lot of comments um, leading up to this show, and I wanted to highlight some of those comments and get both of your thoughts on it. Uh, let me find them real quick here. Got them. All right. Here we go. So here's some of the comments I got leading up to this show that I thought was interesting because here's something that I had no idea was going to happen. So as I was preparing for the show, and one of the um, – I, I, I kind of created a couple of other questions, which I sometimes I quite often do to promote the show. And so one of the um, things I wrote to promote the show was the concept of I have heard, which I really heard this in real life, I've heard several women tell me that sex once a week is enough within their marriage and that their husband should be fine with that. And I also highlighted that I've heard men in my life complain about only having sex once a week. And so I put that out there, and I got a lot of comments. I had no idea, and this is very interesting to me, and I'd be very interested in your thoughts on this, Marilyn. But I had no idea that somehow that promotion actually, for some people, turned turned into a gender war conversation that we quite often talk about on this show. And I wanted to share a couple of these thoughts because – it was it was so interesting to me, and again, because I was only thinking from a marketing standpoint, maybe I'm not understanding how people view that, be promoting it via saying that. I'm not quite understanding how people view this, but here's a couple of thoughts that I got in reference to, again, a post where I just simply said, I hear from several women that once a week is enough and that men complain about it. And one brother wrote this in reference to me saying that. Silly girl, the human race cannot sustain itself off of sex once a week. And you wonder why men have thousands of sperms and are polygamous by nature. Uh, Marilyn, the, I, was, I was at a loss to a degree. He was responding to a degree. I will be fair. I'm not saying it was just a standalone comment. So I want to be a little fair to the, the person that wrote this. But even still, I was, in a sense, a little shocked that today's conversation got thrown in that rev. I have a couple more comments that proved that it got thrown into the gender war perspective. But any thoughts to hearing that comment based on today's show and and the idea that men were complaining about this? I mean, I'm definitely not surprised that men were complaining about it. And, um, and honestly, I feel like just about everything can be thrown into the gender war. <laughs> Um, perspective um, these days is very prevalent and a lot of people and but but this topic in particular it can be very triggering you know particularly because of I a lot of the disconnect that I mentioned earlier one thing um, that I didn't get to say earlier is that I feel like a lot of us enter into um, a marriage and you know you're always going to hear me talk from the perspective of marriage because that's you know where um, conversation anything that happens before that really I feel like we're kind of spinning our wheels anyway, you know. But um, within marriage, we enter into it without an understanding, you know. Uh, I've told you before that my husband and I, when we got married, we had an agreement, you know. We talked about everything. We laid it all out, what our, you know, needs, our desires, anything that you could possibly um, um, think was, was something that could come up in marriage, you know. And we both, of course, had the perspective of having previous marriages. So, um, but then just from, you know, understanding and learning the dynamics of relationships, I'm sorry. 
of a scratchy throat, but um, just in understanding the dynamics of, of marriage in general, we try to think about everything that could possibly, you know, be um, an issue within marriage. And we laid out our expectations and we agreed on what we were each okay with and comfortable with and what we each expected. And we do our best every day to live in alignment with that agreement and we adjust it where needed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's one of the big issues is that we enter into it. Just kind of like we um, we just kind of wing it. You know, we don't have an understanding, we don't have an agreement, and we think that we're just going to walk into this, you know, huge undertaking that is marriage without really having um, something to work off of. We have no education. We have no support. And I mentioned before that I think it's so important to have, you know, counselors and coaches or anything. You know, we employ, you know, um, support in terms of of, of coaching and um, teachers and so many other areas of our lives except our marriages. You know, we just want to run in there and wing it. And then, you know, we end up having these really bitter experiences because we didn't prepare ourselves, you know. And so I, I for me, for that, I think that sounds like a lot of um, – I don't, I don't want to just kind of throw the word around <laughs> bitterness, you know, but that's because we're left with a bad taste in our mouth from marriage and relationships, you know. Um, and so I'm not surprised that, you know, it became a gender war because we tend to kind of not really take the um, – we don't take the the relationships and the marriages that we're going into seriously enough to really um, – to, to, to make these agreements and really understand well enough what we're entering into. So I, I, that's just my thoughts on it. No, it makes sense. And, I, you know, and, and like to, to Sean's point, Sean said, hey, you know, um, whatever a couple agrees to it kind of has to work between them. But, Sean, you hear how, to a degree, this brother took the dialogue and, and, and immediately threw it into the context that men are naturally polygamous. So these women out here are only giving sex once a week are crazy. Like he got thrown into that context due to, I would say, like, Man is saying to a little bit of the bitterness or we've gotten to this stage where we see this on social media. I'm like, how does this show get thrown into the, the, the gender war? But I get where it's coming from once I see it. Like, you know, men have thousands of sperm and are polygamous by nature, uh, which I d- directly dialogue and, you know, and kind of broke this down, like, brother, you're going too far, if you will. But you know, it's crazy that we can be triggered. And, we're, and the point of me talking about this is that people are triggered to the point where there's an aspect of we're not entering marriages and relationships due to all of these prior triggers that even this question could trigger this stuff. So I wanted to get your ideas. I got another couple of thoughts, a couple of um, comments I want to share as well, but I wanted to get your thoughts before I share those. Well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with um, – the way we were trained again before getting married, because men, you gotta have self control. You know, it's like you can't be a hoe for 25 years, and then you find the woman of your dreams. You no know, throwing on my air quotes, and then y'all get married and just expect for your wholeness to to disappear. Like I think people think wedding rings give them superpowers, <laughs> and that's not. That's that's not the case. Like you have to give yourself a season, some time, to get that stuff off of you, and know that marriage is a commitment. So when people they find oh my husband or my wife was cheating or whatever, well yeah, if they've been trained for twenty years to think one way 
and think that's going to change overnight, they're in, they're going to be sadly disappointed. Now nah, it makes sense. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreage Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoregedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. I'm fine. Oh, honey, what are you doing home so early? Where the kids? I just dropped them off at my mother's house. Hey, you're scaring me. What? What's going on? I missed you. I miss you too. What's happening to us? I don't know. I feel like it's my fault that we're not as close as we used to be. Uh, it's, it's not your fault. It's, it's my fault. I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to do. Is it too late? I don't know. You know, baby, I just want to tell you how sorry I am for being so cold. It's not like I don't like being married. It's just that sometimes I feel like the walls are closing in on me. Now, hold on one minute. Whatever you did, you did to yourself. Because I've been running around here trying to make a nice life for us, taking care of the kids, being every woman. But lately, you've been cold as a so of you. I'll grow up. You know it's true. Look, I know none of this is easy, but I miss us. I miss what we had. I miss it to the core, and I just need to know. How come we don't fuck anymore? You the one on strike. It's been a mighty long time. You out of your fucking mind. Definitely. Baby, I still want you, and I've wanted you for so long. But every time I touch you, you act like I did something wrong. Yes, you do. I don't want to leave. Neither do I. I still want you. I'm going to cry. Where the kids? I told you they're gone. In that case, we should be making love. A cool little movie. I think I love my wife, Chris Rock. This morning's discussion question, do wives see sex as a chore? Our special guest, Marilyn Arduini, cognitive behavior therapist, as well as Sean Heinemann, host of It's Scary to Remarry, as we've been having an interesting dialogue. If you want to join us, please, last 30 minutes, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. Nine one, loving this discussion, um, and it goes to it's a two way street. Absolutely, as I think we've delved into it uh, from many perspectives. 
Uh, but any thoughts that are maybe looming or that y'all are thinking about that you, we haven't brought to the table? I know, Marilyn, you love to talk solutions, so maybe this is a good time to move into some of that conversation, uh, some of those perspectives, again, with you being a cognitive behavioral therapist, and there's so many moving parts with how we could have mm-hmm. issues. Um, matter of fact, let me throw this out, because mm-hmm. um, I mentioned this earlier um, in my piece, um, literally being afraid of sexual compatibility from the standpoint of as a single person having had experiences and I love how Sean even brings it from the male perspective that, that um, you know, having discipline even as men, because obviously the world pushes us away from it. Right. And so when mm-hmm. I would hear men warn me, you're not going to have that much sex. And again, we don't have a good perspective quite often as single people. Even when I was having a lot of comments on this show, it, it, uh, I remember one of the brothers said, this person must be single because a lot of the single people, well, one sister said, yeah, we have the sex every other day. I don't even want to get married. Like she took it that far, right, or whatever. It's just the perspective of not having in a marriage and having to have those responsibilities and those duties. So we're just really um, delusional, and it plays a big role in how sexual compatibility, sexual compatibility, which I think as single people we all place high, and then mm-hmm. that part is not good in a marriage. I've seen it ruin marriages. Your thoughts, Queen? So I believe um, you're absolutely right. And I, in terms of solutions, I think that one thing that I, that I definitely suggest and that I've seen work wonders for um, a lot of the couples and, and people think that most of the time that it can only ever be when both people are, you know, going to therapy and doing all this work. I think it's important for both people to do that. But many times the tide can be turned just by a a, a um, shift in one person's thought process and one person's behavior. And those are the two pieces of cognitive behavior is to kind of make the connection of, what are the ways that you're thinking about something and what that are creating behaviors and what can you do behaviorally to change it? Or what can you do in terms of your thinking and as well as your behaviors to change the situation that you find yourself in? And one person can start to create that shift. And, um, again, I harp on all the time is that when you identify the problems and the behaviors that are creating the problems, it's to um, have an agreement first with yourself and then ideally with your spouse um, and understanding of what your needs are um, and communicating those things. And one thing that I can say for me and, and that I see it creating that shift in marriages, personally in my marriage, because of the things that I learned and were able to apply and we were able to apply together, uh, and it's, it's three years of marriage, we've never actually had an argument you know, never an argument between us um, because we established um, along the ways how we've had disagreements for sure, but we've never, you know, had an argument because we established from the beginning how we were going to handle disagreements and what, and, and also approaching everything as a team that we're in it to solve a problem together. The problem is not, um, is, is not, we're not the problem, you know, we're a team and we want to see uh, um, our marriage succeed. So what can we do together to be able to solve the problem and not fight against each other. So that's first and foremost, and having that agreement in place. And 
Let me I jump in right like here. I, I love, yeah, I love what uh. you're saying here. This is all good. I want to add some thoughts because I think, mm-hmm. again, if you listen to the top of the hour, we di- we we don't dialogue just to dialogue. It's dialogue to connect. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we get some feeds. And I'm just kind of sharing that with the audience, especially the first time listeners. But if I could jump in and even add this to what you said, I love you know where you're going with this. Uh, but just to even put the earlier part of the show in a little more context. So in the first. Out in the latter part of the first hour, I was highlighting even the science, right, to the oxytocin. And there was one thing that mm-hmm. the um, psychologist said in that situation was that all these other ways that you can, in a sense, create oxytocin, get that feeling of bonding and connection, there's all these other ways to do it because he highlighted that he said as time goes on, often couples become less intimate. And so he mentioned mm-hmm. the concept of it decays the relationship. And so to point out, as you said, even one person, even if you don't get a chance to get all this therapy, if you will, how one person can change it, it reminded me of this article I read years ago that blew my mind. And it was a, this, this lady who wrote an article about how daily sex changed her marriage and saved her marriage. And she became very intentional. And I'm really trying to make all this come together full circle. But in that article, what she highlighted was um, – and this makes sense how, one, you can get busy. One, if one person has a level of resentment or, like you said, a woman's kind of overwhelmed to the point or vice versa, the man can be overwhelmed because, again, it ain't just women that refuse sex in marriages. I know that firsthand from, you know, talking to some couples. But with that said, even if it's one person that's kind of overwhelmed and it becomes natural to not feel like it, it becomes a chore in the negative sense of the word. There's all these variables that move couples away from having more intimacy and and I'm highlighting it when we're talking about a solution just from the standpoint of that article what she said was just by being intentional about becoming intimate every day she just, she, the article she wrote that they was on the verge of divorce and she said that the mm-hmm. sex alone and being intentional about having it every day changed their lives because imagine mm-hmm. you're actually having not only intimacy, but the oxytocin is being added. And I can see how, whereas a couple that has you know, that has an argument doesn't have these agreements in place like what you're talking about, Marilyn, how the arguments mm-hmm. can drive them through a cold period. But mm-hmm. I always say, how long can you really be mad with somebody you fucking? Like, how long can you really be mad? I mean, it's true. And I was actually, yeah. this is interesting that you go ahead, that go ahead. because I was asking yeah, because one of the things I was going to say is um, going back to what we originally were talking about in terms of the chore or the responsibility aspect of um, of sex and marriage is exactly that. Is like let's say cleaning. You know you've got to clean your house, right? And everybody doesn't love doing the dishes and everything else. But sometimes in order to make it something that you can do, you got to work, get yourself up to that mode, you know what I mean? And you got to turn on some music and make it fun, you know, the best way that you can. So you do the same thing when it comes to sex in your marriage. You can, you know, may not be in the mood every day, but like you said, that's a great word, is becoming intentional about realizing that it's important. It's an important thing that has to happen to keep the wheels turning in your marriage, to keep the connection there. And it's an important thing for men to be able to open them up to a higher level of intimacy. So if I, as the woman, can say, okay, I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to be intentional about us having sex, whether it's daily or as often as possible, then that can definitely 
turn things around. Sometimes if if your husband's already kind of locked into, oh, well, you know, um, and, and, and sometimes they're already secretly sometimes feeling bitter about the fact that there is not enough sex in the marriage, being able to you open the door to higher levels of communication by just being intentional, as she said, about having sex. Because men, that is um, an emotional doorway for them to be able to, you know, to, to, to have that release and everything. And they bond with you better in that way and are more open and vulnerable with you um, once you have sex, you know. So that's why they call it pillow talk sometimes that, you know, you have sex and then finally, suddenly he's able to tell you everything that's going on and open up to you and you can actually have a real dialogue. So. I think that's absolutely an important perspective, and it's one way that, you know, as the wife, you can definitely move things forward and improve the situation is just by choosing um, for yourself to get in that mindset and become intentional about, you know, making sex a priority. And sometimes that means you got to tell them, hey, I need help with this so that I can be ready for this later on. But you know he wants it, you know, and that's a great motivator to say, okay, well, if he can help me do this, that, and the other, um, I'm definitely going to be ready for this later on. So that's just, you know, some additional thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm single. I ain't never been married, but, you know, as a single man, like I said, with, with a girlfriend, I can definitely say yes a whole lot more after some sex. <laughs>
talking about their, they've been married maybe 20 years at this point, maybe 21, and just highlighted the ups and downs of their marriage on a previous show. Uh, but when he saw the post for this show talking about, you know, in a sense, once a week is considered enough, he said, this is crazy. We do it at least three to four times a week. We've been at this for 20 years, too. Who in the world made these stats? And he was highlighting your your um, your stat, Sean, where you said, "Hey, the average is once a once a week, which is the average around the country." But hey, he's that he's in that group of, uh, um, you know, the anomaly where they twenty years, they three to four times a week. He's like, "This is crazy." And his one sister, um, Tamika, said, "Your wife." Definitely wasn't in my survey pool. Where I said I heard from these women that once a week is enough. And she was like, his wife definitely wasn't in the survey pool. He's right about that. But, again, there's couples out there doing that as well. I don't know if there's anything to take from that. But, I, uh, again, that was just a response to what you had posted, Sean. Any thoughts to hearing this brother say, this, this that is crazy. Once a week makes no sense. They three to four times a week for 20 years straight. That's crazy. Uh, and and yeah. we shouldn't think of it as crazy, right? Like it's backwards, but that's crazy versus it being the norm. You got in-house pussy, to put it in the context of the, of the hip-hop community, right? You got in-house pussy. How y'all not having sex every day? Go ahead, brother. <laughs> yeah, Montoya, I seen that. I was like, yeah, and again, I think he's an anomaly, and I think that's what happened when we – because we always like to compare ourselves to anomalies. Oh, Jay-Z and Beyonce did it, or Russell and Sierra did it, but they're anomalies. All of us aren't anomalies. So a lot of times we try to live up to anomalies when we're not that. And then we get frustrated. You have to know what works best for you and your marriage. Like, for me, Matoya, I know I can have sex four four to five times a week if I wanted to. But you know what? Out of honor and respect to my wife and because I have a certain amount of self-control, I'm good with two days a week. I just need you to be a freak twice a week, and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So everybody needs to know their level and, and not be in comparison to others because that's when you, your marriage gets frustrated and you start, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. So you have to know mm-hmm. what's best for you. For no, I love it. Actually, I'm going to pass the break. Absolutely. So we'll last breakout, and then we'll get come to some some conclusions for the rest of this show. Thank you. I will be right back and listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? While this is a question most people never think to ask themselves, but when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Making Money Matter Mondays, August the 8th, this coming Monday, if you have issues with credit cards and not just the credit cards themselves, learn the techniques to help you with that. But if you're in a situation with credit cards that have you stressing in life, again, this Making Money Matter Mondays is where money and mental health meet. Highly encourage you to find us on IG, mental underscore dialogue, 
and DM if you would like to attend this free Zoom. Thanks to our sponsors. We do those every second Monday. Um, these have been wonderful. We've been helping people really connect those two issues. A lot of mental health issues play a role in how you deal with money and making money matters with Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Katrina Hit Katrina Pittman will help you with those issues. So find me personally, Montoya Smith on Facebook or Mental Dialogue on Facebook or mental underscore dialogue and DM me to be a part of those days. This morning's discussion question, do wives see sex as a chore? Our special guests, Marilyn Arduini, cognitive behavior therapist, and Sean Hyman, host of It's Scary to Remarry. Want to share this one other thought before we come to our conclusion this morning. We don't have a lot of time left here. Uh, but here was another thought that was shared that I thought was interesting. This one sister to me because she flipped my question a little differently that I used to promote it. I thought this was interesting, so I want to hear y'all thoughts on it. And it's worth exploring. Again, thank y'all for all of your input and being on the show this morning. Uh, but she said, um, after seeing what I wrote and seeing a lot of responses, she put this up on her page, and I thought this was interesting. She said, some wives are saying sex once a week with their husband is sufficient. And she said, if you don't like your husband, just say that. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Ooh, Marilyn, your thoughts? Because again, she flipped what I said into that. When she mm-hmm. saw what I said, she flipped it into that, and I was like, "Woo!" She makes a point, and you know, not in the same words. Um, I have made similar points to some of the women that I work with, and one thing is, is if you as much and as much as you want your husband to understand your nature and your needs, you need to also understand his nature and his needs. And um, and sex is a is is an important one, and so we can't really. It, it's got to be a give and take, you know. Um, and I'll say this along the lines of what Sean mentioned earlier, um, and and what you were saying before the break, is that it's um it definitely depends on the. We can't compare ourselves to other people's marriages, you know. Uh, my husband and I, we, we definitely get it, and there's some weeks that we don't miss a day, and then there are days, weeks when it's just maybe a couple of times, you know. And one thing that I deeply appreciate, and I think it's so important, is as when I talk about my husband reading the room, he definitely is good at that, but we have to do so as women as well. You know, um, my husband, he walks in, you know, on a if if he knows that I'm overwhelmed that day or if I'm sick, there's times when he's just not going to ask because he's highly considerate um, what I'm dealing with and how I feel. And we both want to enjoy it, you know. He knows that I won't say no. For the most part, I, I don't think I ever have, you know. But he has, you know, he's, he's, he's in tune enough to be able to say, okay, this is, might not be a good time, you know, for me to even make that move. Um, and there's all in the same way when I know that, okay, it's been – a little minute, and, um, and we haven't done anything, and um, and I'm sure he's being considerate of me. I need to also be thinking and making sure that he is having his needs met, you know. So I think it's definitely a, a two-way street. If you love your husband um, and and you, you do everything that you can to make sure that his needs are being met and understanding his language, um, same thing that we want for them. So I think she makes an, an excellent point, you know, it's, it's things a little bit and, and it comes off, you know, in, in, in a way that can make you feel a way, but I definitely think that she has a point. Uh, um, Dr. Boris Watkins, if you're familiar with him, he um, did a quick comment on this morning's show and he said that if um, sex is bad, couples might 
be have sex only once a week. That was just kind of his thoughts um, to this morning's show. Sean, any thoughts to what Dr. Boyce you know, had to say about it? Say, hey, if sex is bad, once a week may be quite the norm. You know, again, that was just a, a quick three cents he gave me on the IG page this morning. Any thoughts to that? I think it's true, considering from statistics, uh, I just think we live in an age where we give so much of our time to other people and we kind of live, uh, I won't say intentionally, where we just do stuff mindlessly. I mean, if you think about how much we're off, we're on our phones, um, we're overworked, we are over-socialized, um, rarely do we focus on our home where we cut the world out. There's so much of us that we give away um, looking for approval that we don't have time for sex. We don't have time for the basic things in our everyday life. So, you know, of course, people are going to be stressed out. Of course, you get sex once a week. Um, And then we're even talking about people who got, you know, somebody else in their bed or they playing musical mattress with other people. You just never know. So I think if we learn to prioritize and we be intentional every day when we wake up, uh, I, we can see some change in society. Now, let me, let me throw this out, Marilyn, uh, from a perspective. And I, wrote, you know, I kind of mentioned this in the piece. Like even I'm showing love with uh, my my friend, sister. I consider my sister. What her father told her about: if you're not going to give him none, you might as well become a nun. Uh, and, and it highlights to me the aspect that. At least this is what I've heard, at least in the past, and I've definitely heard this within some African cultures. I don't know if you're familiar with – well, I'm pretty sure you'll be familiar with this, but I know even currently within not just African cultures but other cultures around the world as well where where marriage is a high priority in a lot of cultures, then there are aspects of where the elders, whether it be the women, if you will, really trying to delve into preparing a woman for sex so versus having that – um, just that complete negative connotation to where it affects your sex in a bad way. There's also cultures mm-hmm. in which the women do school the daughters on, okay, you're married now. Here's how you take care of your husband. Don't refuse him. Don't mm-hmm. tell him no. That I think that I wrote from a being growing up in the South from a perspective where women were quite often told not to tell their husband no one. Obviously, if you're not going mm-hmm. to a family structure, those things are not happening anymore. But what are your thoughts to even – the next generation kind of grooming you to have a successful marriage, even down to talking mm-hmm. about sex. What are your thoughts on that real mm-hmm. quick? I'm so glad that you brought that up. I, um, when it was mentioned earlier, I meant to circle back to it um, and say that I very much agree that there, you know, in as much as there are cultures that, you know, put this negative connotation about sex in young women, there are many who do quite the opposite. Now, they encourage young women to preserve it for marriage and for that mm-hmm. safe space, but they teach them and prepare them. And this is something that I had definitely the benefit of from a number of women in my life. Yeah. You know, my aunt, um, you know, my mother to a great extent um, will tell you, you know, just, you know, some of them, you know, they were they had different reasons and motivations for why they encourage you not to um, deny your husband's sex. But for the most part, you know, it was the idea of knowing this was a healthy part of marriage and that it was important, you know, to um, to, to give it that space of priority. So, and, uh, and even, you know, as far as there are cultures where you definitely have women who will teach you different techniques and all different kinds of things on how to take care um, of your husband. Um, and, and the same goes for men. They're being prepared 
um, for marriage because it has such a high priority and people understand the importance that it holds and, you know, and the future generations and how, you know, generational success happens is when you have happy, healthy marriages, you know. So, um, so yeah, so that's definitely important. And it's something that I'm actively doing with my own daughter. I have a teenage daughter and, you know, I do things in age appropriate ways, but you prepare them. Um, going forward to understanding, you know, what is key um, in marriage and how to approach, you know, their sexuality and to understand that sex is a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's nothing dirty about it. You know, um, it's important for you to have, you know, your sexual nature. I love love those thoughts. Great. I think it's a great way to conclude the show. But let them know how they can stay in contact with you, and I need to be able to do the same thing for Sean. So give them any information, and then we'll let Sean give out his information before we go. But thank you. An amazing show. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm on Facebook at Marilyn Odoini, O-D-U-E-N-Y-I, um, as well as the Peaceful Black Mama. Um, you can use that anywhere um, online. Uh, it's thepeacefulblackmama.com, as well as the Peaceful Black Mama on IG and Clubhouse. So anywhere that um, you can find me, the Peaceful Black Mama or Marilyn Odoini. All right, Sean, thank you so much. Great conversation this morning. I don't know how they can stay in contact with us, Mary. It's Scary to Remarry podcast and any other way they can follow you. Yes, um, if you just Google it's Scary to Remarry, I'll pop up. You'll find me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those good sites. So it's Scary to Remarry. Follow me there. Thanks, Montoya. Uh, we'll see you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think making money matter Mondays. DM me if you want to be a part of that great discussion. See y'all next week. All I ask is that you think. Thank you.